everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, it is the fourth Monday of the month, which means it's time for Goodbye Lupus with Dr. Brooke Goldner. And today she's going to be talking about deadly medication resistant fungus, Candida auris. And I hope I said it correctly. Please welcome her to the show. Thanks. You said it correctly. Yes. So I wanted to talk about this today because it is currently what is all over the media in terms of the newest threat to human health. And uh, I actually just got called by some news agencies locally, and I've done some news hits about this because everybody's scared now that there's this new medication resistant yeast or fungus called Candida auris, and it's spreading. It's spreading rapidly. Uh, so I wanted to be able to share some information about it, help people know what they need to know about it. So we're not in a state of panic and, and you know what to do to protect yourself. So Candida auris was discovered in 2009. Uh, and it's actually called Candida auris because auris means ear. And it was discovered as an infection in an ear in an elderly person in Japan. So it was named after where it was found. Uh, and it, it was something, it's, it was probably around a bit before then. They're estimating maybe 10 years or so, but we only recently discovered it. And it's still pretty rare especially in the US, but it has spread extremely rapidly. So now everyone's on high alert, especially because it's considered medication resistant, meaning the normal medicines we use to treat fungal infections haven't been effective against it. There are treatments, but the usual ones aren't very effective. So um, I think the biggest reason why people are especially scared is number one, we just went through a pandemic. We're still, it's still happening, right, with COVID. And so everyone's kind of worn out and scared that now there's a new disease that's going to spread and, and they're not considering this a pandemic, but I think there's definitely some pandemic fatigue that everyone's gone through and it feels like, oh no, here we go again for some folks. Um, and the other is because, have you heard of the HBO show, The Last of Us? Yes. Yes. Okay. I haven't watched it, but I've heard of it. My husband was obsessed with it. I actually only saw a couple episodes, which are really good, but he was just, oh my God, it's so good. It's so good. You're missing out. So The Last of Us is a, a really popular, it was a video game made into an HBO show that's about a fungus that actually turns humans into zombies. And so it's an end of, you know, that it's an apocalypse, basic. It's the end of the of humanity kind of situation where there's very few survivors left because of this horrible fungus. So <clears throat> I think with that show being so popular now, it's brought this alarm like, oh, my God, it's here. The last of us is here. We're all going to turn into fungal zombies and die. So it's, again, the fact that it's on the news. We're dealing with pandemics. There's all this stuff going on. I just thought, let's just be a place where people can come for some common sense and real information. So Candida Auris, as I said, it is a Candida. The biggest question I got, uh, most common question I've been asked about it is, is it the same as other candida infections? Because normally when we hear the word candida, we think of common issues that humans have, right? But that's candida albicans. So candida albicans is if someone gets a yeast infection, usually that's the case. And you take the normal um, diflucan, whatever we have over the, uh, over the counter or, or prescribed and, and get rid of it. That's a very common yeast. Uh, this one is different. Now, we normally have yeast on and in our bodies. I, we talked about it a bit last time, actually, um, or I, I know I've talked about it on my Q and A's that I do on Wednesdays where people ask, what about yeast? Very common issue. 
Uh, and it's not really an issue, just like we have bacteria that populate our bodies, both internally in our bowels, on our skin. We also have some yeast that live on us and they don't cause us trouble and we don't worry about it, right? It's just normal to have some of that. The only time it goes from being a population to an infection is when there's some kind of disruption, right? So if we, let's say, take antibiotics and we kill off bacteria that are living in our gut or on our skin, then it gives the yeast more room to grow. And if the yeast can grow unfettered, it can turn into an infection. If we have an infection, we have symptoms of an infection, right? If we have a skin infection with candida, you're going to have redness, maybe itchiness. You're going to see this infection happening. If it's internal, there's internal symptoms of candida infections in your bowels where you get very bloated, especially with fruit. So there's a difference between population that lives on us and infection. And for most people who are exposed to candida auris, it will not cause an infection. So what they found is that this candida, this candida auris, it really only causes infections in people with very low immune systems uh, that are already really, really sick. So the people they're seeing get infections are people in long-term care facilities. So for example, people who have tubing going into their bodies because they're being kept alive by machines, the candida can get in through the tubing and into the body. And in those people who are already very sick, their immune system doesn't work, they get infected, one in three people who get infected will die from it. So yeah, so for the people who can get an infection from it, it is a deadly infection. And I think that's the other reason people have gotten scared is one in three people dying is very high. But again, most of us will never feel an infection. Uh, a bet of shift, AJ or myself, got candida auris on us, we wouldn't even know it. We wouldn't even know it. It might have a little bit of a colony here or there. It would never become an infection. So that is something that I hope brings some relief to people that for most of us, this will never, ever be an infection. It's not like COVID um, or other infections we've seen where everyone who gets it or most people who get it are going to have symptoms. Most of us will never know. So the biggest thing that they need to work on right now is protecting long-term term care facilities. So hospitals and long-term care facilities where people are immunosuppressed or on these kind of tubing and machines, those are the folks that need to be looked out for. Um, in terms of the rest of us, I don't think we're going to see much issue. Um, if you have an infection, let's say you have symptoms of an infection, high fevers, things like that, and it's not getting better with antibiotics, then it would be worthwhile to have your doctor do some testing to see if you have an infection with the fungus. But I really think that as much as this is a big news story right now, for most of us, we're not even going to notice it. I think if you are visiting somebody who has, uh, who's on tubing, who has a low immune system, who has cancer, other things, then you wanna be careful that you don't introduce this fungus to them, but the only thing that you would do is the same thing we've already learned to do from COVID, which is hand washing, right? You know, so it's not going to be in our respiratory systems. It's going to be populating our skin. So regular hand washing, the way we learn to do it from COVID, it's really the only thing we can do for protection in terms of this, in terms of giving it to people who are more likely to receive it. So it's a really, really interesting topic and I can go more into some of the other aspects of it, but I know you said you didn't know much about it. Was there- I never heard of it. I don't watch the news and I, I this is all news to me. So 
It's a good thing, actually. I try to avoid news as much as possible uh, <laughs> because most of the time it's just horrible stories and, and it can keep you up at night, right? Uh, but yeah, this is it's a really big story right now uh, that's going around. And um, there's a lot of interesting aspects to it. One aspect that I thought was really interesting is, you know, they're saying, why did this come about? Like, why, why do we have this new fungus? We understand medication resistance, right? So if we're treating, if we're treating funguses with certain medicines, then the ones that are resistant will survive. That makes sense. But the other thing that they're finding interesting about this is that this uh, fungus thrives more on our body temperature, which is unusual because most funguses prefer cooler weather. And the current theory they have, and I thought this was really fascinating, one of the current theories that scientists have right now is that the reason that this fungus is thriving more in our body temperature is because of climate change. That as the earth is warming, the funguses or fungi, I guess, that need to survive, need to be able to tolerate warmer temperatures. And if they are starting to tolerate and even thrive at warmer temperatures, it makes it an easier jump to the human body because we are warmer as well, which means our fevers may not be as effective either as they normally are in fighting infection because this new species actually prefers a warmer climate. So that is, so they're, they're also part of the blame to this appears to be uh, climate change itself, that humans have created some of this problem that's then leading to these other infections. And I guess that does go more with the uh, HBO series and end of days idea that humans are bringing about our own demise. But as you and I know here, even talking to each other, we're doing that in many ways with our diet, <laughs> with our lifestyles. Uh, but this might be another way in which we are hurting ourselves and that climate change itself is promoting the growth and thriving of new pathogens that are preferring, preferring warmer weather. And that makes it easier for them to thrive in our nice warm bodies. Do you think the fact that people eat so many animal products, which contain antibiotics, because, you know, the cattle is fed antibiotics, the, the dairy cows makes it harder when people do get some kind of an infection that, that the antibiotics aren't working as efficiently on them? Absolutely. So, so antibiotics would, would affect the bacteria, not the, the fungi. So it doesn't affect fungus. Okay. Right. Yeah. So it's a different type of medicine, but it's the same process. You're absolutely right on that, that when, when we look at, I, I I've actually talked to people about this a lot before where they'd say, I don't know why I would get MRSA. I don't take a lot of antibiotics, but they eat animal products and the animals are given tons of antibiotics because in factory farming, they're kept so close together that they get tons of infections. So they will give all of the animals these antibiotics to try to prevent these infections, but then you are eating those products that are full of antibiotics. And so absolutely there, there's a connection there in general with uh, antibiotic resistance. I actually haven't looked into whether or not they give animals antifungals, um, but there's definitely a, there's a possibility of that. And when people are on long-term care, they are more likely to get infections from a fungus infection. So they are given antifungal medicines. And how do you end up on long-term care? Well, a lot of times these are people who have eaten unhealthy diets their whole life and they have had uh, heart disease and other and autoimmune diseases and diabetes and other issues that has caused their health to fall. So 
it really still is very much on topic for the work that we do. I mean, one, I'm, I'm an expert in the immune system and in autoimmune diseases, but what I found in my work in helping people reverse and prevent autoimmune disease is that what gets the immune system healthy enough to fight back and reverse an autoimmune disease also makes it resistant to infections, right? So I, I've heard theories floated recently that maybe the omega-3s in my system, maybe they, they just suppress the immune system and that's why the autoimmune goes away, like, like prednisone, like steroids, but it's not the case. And the way we know it is people who reverse their disease using the goodbye lupus protocol also become resistant to infections as well. So the same people who used to get every cold and flu and sinus infection and pneumonia, suddenly they don't get infections at all. So we know that the immune system is actually working better. So there's also a lot that we can do besides just washing your hands and hoping you don't get populated by this new candida is really how do we keep our immune system strong so we don't have to be so scared, right? Um, I, I, I found it fascinating when COVID was happening. I don't know how they thought of it because normally nutrition research is not on the forefront of anyone's minds, right? When when, when there's a new disease hitting, people aren't talking about nutrition, unfortunately. Um, but when the pandemic first hit, there was a study that they did on first responders, nurses and doctors on the front lines, before we had any vaccines, before we had any treatments, this is first wave. They looked at how many people were getting moderate to severe COVID on the front lines and what they were eating. They actually did that research, which was so cool. And it was published in the British Medical Journal. And what they found was that people who identified as vegan or plant-based had 73% lower rates of moderate to severe COVID compared to everybody else on the front lines. 73, 73, that is extremely significant. And then when they looked at people who identified as high protein, low carb, so the people who are keto or paleo, they had almost 50% higher rates of moderate to severe COVID compared to the regular population. So those folks who thought they were eating healthy because they were really fit and trim and they're eating high protein, low carb, they were getting 50% higher rates of moderate to severe COVID. In fact, one of my husband's friends who was a fitness guru, famous fitness guy, super ripped, ate a high protein diet, died in the first wave. And he thought he was healthy, right? And then people who are any kind of vegan, not even eating the healthy way that we tell them, but any kind of vegan, 73% lower rates. And it was really, really interesting work. And what they didn't mention, or they didn't talk much about, which I thought was extremely important, was they also looked at pescatarians, people who eat tons of plants, but just fish, right? And a lot of times when people are trying to get healthy, they go, fine, I'll take out meat, I'll just eat fish. The pescatarians did have better protection. So they were about 50% lower rates of, of disease, of moderate to severe COVID compared to the standard population. But that means they were 23% less protection than people who didn't eat any fish at all. And they didn't really mention this in their discussion. It's why I always tell people, read the results of studies. Don't this, The discussion is their opinions. The results are the results, right? And so what it showed was that even eating one animal product, fish, lowered your protection against moderate to severe COVID by over 20% compared to people who ate no animal uh, products at all. And so they, when they did that study, they concluded that most likely the reason is because there's nutrients in plants that can help your immune system and there's no nutrients in animal products. So that's why the high protein diet people couldn't protect themselves. And I think what they were missing, I agree with that, but I also think what was missing is that there is 
significant deleterious effects or negative effects to our immune system from any animal products at all, including even fish. As soon as you add one animal product, boom, your immune system is less effective than it was. So it gives us a lot of information looking at this fungus, right? That we need optimal immune function. How do you get optimal immune function? Well, one important factor is don't eat any animal products, any because significant decrease in your immune function is going to happen. The other thing that's really important that I thought was really cool was the research done at Johns Hopkins, the same people who found that cruciferous vegetables can kill cancer cells. They found that cruciferous vegetables actually prevent COVID from replicating by 50%. It blocks the replication of the virus. That's amazing. Yeah. So again, we're looking at, hmm, get rid of animal products, eat a lot of cruciferous vegetables, we're starting to look like the goodbye lupus protocol, right? <laughs> Let's just get you right. So it's really, it's the same thing. And I love that it keeps coming back to the same bottom line. You don't have to learn a new way of living to like, now we need a candida way of eating and we need a COVID way of eating. Eat fresh vegetables, avoid animal products, optimize your nutrition. You know, I, I suggest we do all of it, the cruciferous vegetables and, and hydrate yourself so your immune system functions properly, get your omega threes to bring inflammation down, but also bring stress down, exercise the same stuff, the same stuff that works for reversing autoimmune disease, works for reversing heart disease and diabetes, works for preventing infections as well. And I think that any of your listeners already are no learning this and you can feel relief that, okay, uh, there's, this is, this is the way. Dr. Volner, Lynn was wondering if you have any patients that have this fungal infection, if you've seen it. No, I haven't. I have not. Again, these are folks usually who are very, very ill. I think most of them probably are not having appointments with anyone. I mean, long-term care facilities, these are people who are in comas, who are on machines to keep them alive. They're not having appointments on Zoom you know, um, and it's, uh, and again, hospitals, the sickest areas, I'd be worried about the ICU. Um, I'd be worried about the long-term care facilities and nursing homes, things like that. Um, but in general, I, I doubt that those of us who are in regular practice seeing patients, I, I doubt that, that we're really going to be seeing it much, maybe in time. I mean, right now it is spreading very rapidly. It's definitely across the Southern U S but it's still, uh, you'd have to be in the right spots to see it. And I, I think in general care, it's not going to be happening very much. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the keto diet and Carol, who's watching live says, why is it that some doctors think that a keto diet is healthy? What is it actually healing that they are saying that and recommending it to their patients? Oh, if only we can get inside the heads of people, right? Um, you know, I, I think um, one the issue is that doctors don't get training in nutrition, right? Uh, I've had the pleasure and the honor of training a lot of doctors. I just did, it was kind of cool. It was the last, I guess it was last month now that I did a grand rounds for three medical schools at the same time over Zoom. I was like, yes, you know, so the next generation of doctors are much more curious and they are getting much more information. But when I was in training 20 years ago, no, there was really no training at all. So we have a lot of scientific knowledge. We have the ability to understand all these pathways, but there's no background in this education. So for me, being a doctor, what that allowed me to do is when I started learning how nutrition impacts immune function, I could use my understanding of the, of the pathways to then integrate that new knowledge, but it wasn't given to me. 
right? When I was shown the immune pathway, it was here's the medicines that can affect these things, but not where's all the inflammation coming from? Not there, right? So that's one issue is there's a disconnect there that the person you're going to see for this advice has no training in it. So then where are they getting their information from? The same places as everybody else. They're reading Facebook posts, they're reading an article in a fitness magazine. Uh, and Because especially uh, one of the other problems is most mainstream journals don't really print anything about nutrition. It's one of the issues that I've found is that I can get published in, you know, the that journals that are more about nutrition, but I've been holding back because I'm trying to push my way into mainstream because Doctors aren't going to see that. Okay, great. You published in a journal that has something to do with nutrition and you can say it's published, but what about what doctors are reading? So I've been working on this one for a year now where we finally have someone I'm trying again, who might publish, but for the most part, they go, we're not interested in nutrition. We're not interested in case studies, you know, et cetera. Uh, so it's very hard to bring this in front of doctors. So they're getting it the same way as everybody else. And what, what most doctors want more than anything else is to lose weight. I don't know if you've ever seen doctors where they have the same weight issues, high cholesterol, diabetes. I have a lot of doctors as patients and wellness clients who don't know how to solve their own issues, especially ones now with long COVID. They don't know. They're treating patients with long COVID. They don't know how to fix it. <laughs> they're coming to me to fix themselves, hoping they can fix them, right? So, so they don't have the information. They're getting it the same way as everyone else. Their primary goal is weight loss. And it is absolutely true that keto works for weight loss. It's one of the ways that you know that that it's much more complex than just simply fats, right? Because if eating animals in and of itself made you fat, then people who ate, who ate keto would all become morbidly obese, but they don't, right? They get themselves into this keto pathway. They burn lots of fat off their bodies, and they're also getting high cholesterol, diabetes, cancer, heart disease, but on the outside, they look fabulous, right? So, and then also... There are studies that show meat increases aggression, especially high levels. So they become really angry and skinny and promoting what they do and don't argue with me, right? So there's this whole phenomenon that they do that. I have a friend who, who went to medical school with me who runs emergency rooms. Like she's pretty high up and she posted on her personal Facebook how she just lost 40 pounds on the keto diet. And uh, I couldn't help it. I had to write to her, girl, no, get off of that. And she goes, I knew you were going to message me. Don't worry. I just used it to lose weight. I'm going to add some vegetables back, but you're in, you're an emergency room doctor who's in charge, you know? And, and so all she cared about was losing weight. So I bet you if one of her patients said, how do I lose weight? She'd say, well, here's what worked for me. Go on this keto diet. You can eat butter and bacon and all that. You'll lose 40 pounds in a couple months. So I think they get excited by something that works really quickly. And it does. And they get to eat the things that give them the greatest high. Like they want to eat burgers. Who cares about the bun? They want the burger, right? So I think it goes along. They have the same addictions as everyone else. They have the same lack of training and nutrition. They want to lose weight. And so, and then there are little things here and there that come up where someone will go, oh, look, someone went keto and, and their uh, A1C dropped. Yeah, it did because they're not eating any sugar, right? But give them a piece of fruit and you'll see how diabetic they are in real life. They just don't know it. So uh, a lot of stuff like that too, where it's not, they, they take something situational and then they draw conclusions that are incorrect. So there's so many layers of it to answer your question, but um, you know, it's changing. Thankfully, the internet has changed everything. And uh, and the real truth just keeps coming out there. You can't suppress the truth. 
that eventually it comes out and people who get healthy are so excited about it and they want to share it and it just continues to spread naturally and organically. But, you know, I think the other part that makes it hard for doctors is in general, they don't want to be wrong that they have some, you know, that they want to cling to the ways that they were taught. And, uh, and, and it's frustrating. I mean, I went to uh, a doctor just for my annual physical and on the wall, it says, uh, we do not take any referrals from Dr. Google here. And I'm sure it was meant to be funny, but I found it obnoxious. People are on Google because they, they're sick and nobody's helping them and they're figuring it out themselves. And thank goodness, because while they are getting some bad information, there's definitely, you know, I just had another person who came to me who keto caused your kidneys to fail. You know, there's definitely bad info, but there's good info too. And, and for many people I see, the only reason they're well today is because they got on the internet and, and maybe they found you and then they saw me talking to you and then they decided to try this and then they got better, right? So it's changing, but it's extremely slow and frustrating uh, for people who are currently sick. You know, um, it's exciting for me because um, I've seen the change happen where when I first started promoting this years ago, uh, people wanted to say that I was a snake oil salesman, even though I was selling nothing. I was like, here's the protocol, try it for free. <laughs> you know, <laughs> They still want to say that. Now, if one person even negatively comments, 10 people will jump on top of them. No, her protocol saved my life. You have no idea what you're talking about. So I, I'm excited by the change, but for people who are sick, it's still slow. Yeah, absolutely. So Stephanie says, can this candida auris spread from contaminated surfaces? They're not finding, I mean, it definitely can. I mean, that's what's happening, right? Is that um, people are having it on their skin, right? Let's say that a doctor gets it on his skin because he was in another room with someone who had it. And then he adjusts the tubing in somebody's nose, right? Uh, and maybe he, you know, so that's why hand washing is so important. And in hospitals, they're pretty darn good about that. Hand washing and, uh, and hand sanitizers with alcohol in them. Both of those work for candida auris, but it can, it can absolutely um, populate um, devices as well. I don't know how long it can live just exposed to air, but obviously if it's getting into tubing and populating inside of people's bodies, then it is on surfaces. Thanks. You got me really wanting to watch that show, you know? <laughs> you know what's interesting about that show? This is an aside, but have you ever seen the nature documentaries about the ants that get that fungus that infects their brain? No. What, okay, that's that? what it's based off of. Wow. It's one of the creepiest things you'll ever see. I saw it and I, I swear it gave me nightmares. There is a fungus. It, this is what it's based off of. There's a fungus that infects ants and it actually goes into their brain. They are now brain dead, but the fungus is directing what they do. And it directs them to go to the middle of their, what do they call it? Hive, the middle of their hive. And then when it dies, the fungus is released into the environment and then it infects everything else. So they're like the zombie ant. And then when they die, the, uh, the fungus actually grows through their head, like an actual, you see the fungus shoot out of their head and spray and then infects all the other ants. It is the scariest thing. Nature is freaky. So I saw that years ago and went, that is the freakiest thing I've ever seen. Thank goodness it's not in humans. Well, somebody made, and so in that show, The Last of Us, that's what it is. It's a fungus that gets in the brain and then it directs them to, um, to infect others. And then when they die, they become part of this fungus. It's, it's so, yeah. It's, but the cool thing about the show is it's, it's, there's very little of the gory. It's really about human survival. 
how do we come together again after apocalypse? Like, will we ever find in a cure? All that kind of stuff. But it, it looks like that one with the ants and that's a real fungus. It is the wildest thing I've ever seen. So ants now, if they see an ant acting abnormally, they will carry them out of their community and leave them somewhere because they have recognized that when there's a zombie ant coming along, that that's a sick ant. So they, they are smart animals too, but how do the fungus get that smart? I don't know, but let's hope it doesn't come to, to humans. Yeah, that, that is, that's crazy. I'd love you to have to look that up. It is wild. Where is that documentary? That sounds as good as the show that you're recommending. <laughs> I don't remember where I, I mean, if you look it up, uh, yeah. no, I have to see it. There's uh, so like, if you look up, I'm going to, I bet if I look up fungus and zombie, you will, <laughs> it is the craziest thing. Uh, the zombie ant fungus. That's what it's called. The zombie and fungus. Where can we see that? That sounds fascinating. <laughs> Google zombie ant, zombie ant fungus. I will. Uh, you can see it. There's tons of stuff out there on it. Um, let's hope that that we don't get anything like this. But again, that's not what exists. This is just a type of candida that most immune systems can fight. But yeah, that show is uh, that show is pretty cool. My husband was like in tears some days. You're missing out. You need to watch this. Okay, okay. Wow. Um, Jimmy, who's watching live, wants to know what are the symptoms that people with this candida auris get? It'll be symptoms of an infection. So fevers, for example. You know, if you have a fever uh, and you have symptoms of an infection, sometimes you can't differentiate, right? Like if you get a, a, a an infection, sometimes the doctor will say maybe it's a bacteria, maybe it's a virus, right? So basically, if you have a very high fever and you're not feeling well and antibiotics don't work, then it's worthwhile to get swabbed to see if it's actually an infection with this. But again, I don't think someone who's walking and talking and has a decently functioning immune system is going to have that. But if you want to be extra careful, then yes, when they're when they're swabbing you to look, is it a bacteria? They can also check for for um, the fungal infections as well. Mm. Uh, Linda's saying, does can you talk about keto and candida? Is there a is there a correlation between those? I have not seen any connection with candida and uh, and keto. The reason I bring it up is just because of the impact on the immune system. So when people are eating high levels of animal products it actually does damage the immune system as I was referring to, even with that, that um, study that they were looking at on COVID. So if you want a really well-functioning immune system that can resist even these new strains of pathogens, then the best thing you can do is eat a diet that is plant-based and unprocessed and high in good nutrients, cruciferous vegetables, all these things. If you do those things, you don't really have to worry that you're going to be victimized by these new things, even the ones that are coming down the line. I mean, that there's always new, different kinds of bacteria and viruses out there. And now we're seeing a new type of fungus, but I think that's going to continue to happen. One, the climate is changing. Um, two, just factory farming, right? I mean, every terrible flu that spread, there's a reason why they're called bird flu and swine flu, all these different things they've been caused by factory farming, they're looking at COVID, the animal meat markets, right? That, that really it's, there's always going to be new things coming around because of how humans are treating the planet, how they're treating animals. But if we keep our immune system strong by staying away from those animal products and keeping ourselves well nourished, then we are really on the path to doing everything we can. 
Great, thanks. Here's a question. It's not exactly on topic, but I know you you know you talk a lot about um, omega three fatty acids and things like that. And Beth says that she heard that the nutrients in salad are absorbed four times better when you have a fatty dressing. Can chia seeds count, or does the fatty dressing have to be from avocado, nuts, or other fatty seeds? Okay. So the reason that you absorb more when you eat a fat with your nutrition is really that it's, it slows down the digestion process, which lets you absorb more. So the longer those foods sit in your intestines, the more time your intestines have to pull nutrition out. Right? So if things are just kind of going through pretty quickly, then you just get less nutrient absorption. That'll work for uh, omega-3s very well. You can have avocados too, but omega-3s definitely work. So uh, flax and chia are good choices for that as well. Right. Vicki says, what about uh, a vegan keto? You can do that. So that's different. When we're talking about keto generally, we're talking about people who are eating you know, butter and meat and cheese and no plant foods or very little plant foods, um, no fruit, right? They're trying to keep themselves in a keto state. Now, um, that is extremely unhealthy. You're poisoning the body. With plant-based, it's pretty easy to do that. In fact, if people do, even my protocol, so the protocol that I use to reverse autoimmune diseases, um, we call it the Goodbye Lupus Protocol because that was my story in my first book, but it really works for you know, any kind of uh, autoimmune diseases, if you do it without the fruit, it would be a keto diet. If you're doing pounds and pounds of vegetables, um, flax, chia seeds, water intake, and you're not doing fruit with it, that would be a plant-based keto. And it works really well, works really well. You can, you definitely lose weight really quickly. You get super nourished, but your immune system's functioning better than ever. Your heart is super healthy, right? So when you're looking at what something does, I think we have to not be myomic about, you know, I just want this result, like my blood sugar coming down, but what's happening to the entire body, people who are on meat based keto diets, they're not thinking about the heart, they're not thinking about cancer, they're just thinking about weight loss, right. So, you know, that's why I said when I was on a, a Fox show with a keto doctor who was arguing with me and, you know, he said, you, you don't know what it's like to be obese. My patients lose weight so quickly. I'm saving their lives. And I said, there's lots of ways to lose weight while also getting cancer and heart disease. You can just tell them to smoke cigarettes, right? You're not helping these people out by, by raising their, their risk of dying from all causes by pumping them full of animal products and starving them of nutrition. So yes, if you do it a plant-based way, then you should be able to be very nourished. Um, but there's no reason that you'd have to do that though. I mean, you don't need to do a keto diet. You can have... Uh, you can have fruits as well. And they do have good sources of, of nutrition in them, not as much as vegetables, but they still have nutrition in them. But yes, if you did it a plant-based way, um, then you would, you would be preventing those issues that people get from meat-based keto. Maybe we should call it meat-based keto, but usually when people say keto, that's what they mean. Yeah. It's got to be hard to be like a practicing doctor when you have this information. I mean, like, you're on your own, but like, imagine if you were in a standard practice working in an office or a hospital and you were the only one that knew this, it has to be tough for those doctors out there. I think it can be, you know, there was a, there was a doctor that I helped and uh, he, he was able to reverse this disease and get healthy. And he was very excited about it. And so he started telling his patients to do this, right. He could, you know, he was very excited. And he's a rheumatologist. So he's a rheumatologist. It saved his life. 
and he wants to put other people on these plant-based diets. He's very excited, right? You would think this is wonderful. And he said he was in the hospital one day and this cardiologist threw him against the wall, actually violently. So what are you doing? You're telling my patients to get off the cardi- heart association diet. I told them to be on and putting them on this stupid diet. And, uh, and you're going to hurt these patients. I don't like what you're doing. And he was like, listen, man, I'm doing what I know is best. Uh, it's up to your patients, what they decide to do. Well, that cardiologist later down the line apologized to him. He said, the patients that I have that see you, their heart disease is all getting better. Um, I was wrong. So that was, that was a very dramatic confrontation. Maybe that cardiologist was eating too much meat too, but, um, but it, it, it can be, I've never really encountered anything like that. But I think it's very hard for people to come after me because I'm literally walking proof, you know? So this isn't, I read this and you read that. It's, this is what I do. This is who I am. This is the reason I'm alive today, you know? But I, I think it can be. And, and you just got to hope that you're around people who are curious. I think as scientists, we should be curious. I am. That's why even what I do has evolved. What I've taught back in 2015 it's not identical to what I'm saying now because I evolve, I grow. I've worked with thousands of people now. So I, I keep optimizing what I do to make it even more narrowed down to just what people need in order to get healthy, right? I don't just stick to what I was taught 20 years ago or even what I thought I knew 10 years ago. And so I think when people are truly scientists in their heart, they want to grow, they want to learn, they want to evolve. So my hope, and I'm an optimist, my hope is that most doctors, if you talk to them that way, would be open. Thank you. Marianne wants to know if your protocol could help with incontinence. Which kind, fecal or urinary? A good question. I'm guessing it's probably urinary, but I'm guessing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, And I would say for both of them, I mean, if it's urinary, we need to know the cause. So some people have urinary incontinence because they have MS, right? Now I have been extremely- Yes, she has MS. She said she had MS in the- Hey, I just, boom, I psychically- Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't mean, right? So uh, so people with MS, it's a neurological reason that their bladder is dysfunctional. In that case, it's possible. Um, you still want to do things like there's physical therapy for the pelvic floor. So I recommend that physical therapy, you have to train those muscles to continue working. You have to encourage neurons to work. Um, and that's the same, even with, I've helped people with MS where within five weeks, this guy's standing out of a wheelchair, he's going upstairs, but his legs are wobbly because he hasn't used them in years. So you need physical therapy. So if you really want to encourage nerves to branch, then you need that physical therapy happening. And that's true even for incontinence. Now we've had folks who, um, you know, they're, they're oftentimes the most recent lesion on the MRI disappears and the symptoms that were associated with that most recent uh, lesion disappear as well. If that's the case and the urinary incontinence was new, it could be that as we reverse the disease, get rid of the inflammation, that the symptom goes away. However, if it's been ongoing, that's an old lesion that's already scar tissue and it's not going to come back, then there, then I would say probably not. And I would still say physical therapy. Um, but if you have MS, do the protocol anyway, get as much results as you can and let's see what happens. But that symptom's a bit tough. And it can be also uh, exacerbated by things like having childbirth. And there's so many reasons why women tend to have uh, incontinence in general. But yes, yeah, so it is a possibility if it's a rather new lesion that's associated with autoimmune disease like MS. Um, but I still recommend the physical therapy. Have you heard of the Zeta control sock? No. 
Okay, I had the guy on the show. He's an inventor in Israel, and I use it because I I broke my back uh, forty years ago, and that's gave, gave me you know, bladder problems, and so I was experiencing that. And what it is is it's it's uh, it's like a percutaneous tibial nerve stimulation, but that you can do it at home. So instead of having to go to the urologist's office every week, you basically wear this sock, and it's it's incredible. That's cool. You have to text me that. I'll look it up. I, I I'll show it to you. It's, it's very cool, actually. Yeah. And then you still do all the other things you're recommending, like pelvic floor physical therapy, but it is really a game changer. So here's a question from a live viewer named Claudia. Does, has Dr. Goldner worked successfully with people who have peripheral neuropathy, but that's not from diabetes? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So um I have a program called my rapid recovery group where I work with people every day for six weeks on the most aggressive form of my protocol, where we're doing the goodbye autoimmune disease program. I mean, we're doing the, we're doing the full nutrition protocol and it's raw hypernourishment. We're working on your sleep. We're working on your stress, working on your self-care. So I basically make your entire lifestyle anti-inflammatory to make sure nothing is provoking inflammation and you can heal as quickly as possible. So if you ever thought you wanted a Jewish mother looking over your shoulder every day, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what did you eat and how did you sleep and how are you feeling right every day? And, and the results are remarkable. And so I like to use that as my, you know, when I'm talking about cases, I talk out of there because I know what they're doing. I can monitor and say, here's what happens. Right. So we've had people do that group um, for all types of uh, peripheral neuropathy, uh, including most recently, we've had a bunch of people who came in uh, after cancer treatment with chemotherapy. So chemotherapy causes peripheral neuropathy and they had a full recovery from uh, peripheral neuropathy, from chemotherapy, as well as getting rid of the brain fog and feeling healthy again. Um, uh, from people with uh, disorders like Guillain-Barre, um, CIDP. Uh, so we've also seen dramatic improvements in that. So there's a lot of reasons why people would get a neuropathy. And of course, if it's diabetic, then getting rid of the diabetes quickly would be the answer. And, and thankfully the program works for that too. Usually people's A1C is normal within four weeks, but um, there's many different things that can affect the nervous system, including the immune system. And, uh, and we've seen great results in that. Right. And feel free to promote your programs. Are they ongoing? Like, cause I'm not sure there's different ones, correct? Yeah. So the way that I see people now, so I, I have an international uh, wellness uh, practice. And um, so if people are seeing me for appointments, they're always at least 75 minutes. Like I, I need to get to know a person and I'm able to solve a lot of problems that way because you know doctors never take the time to listen. I listen and I hear what's going on and I find out what's going on in people's lives. So I have wellness sessions that are 75 minutes um, where people can get a plan that I share with them. I usually, I type as I go all of my, so while I'm talking to you, I'm typing what I'm saying, because I know I say a lot and I want people to have it all. So they get a packet of like eight to 10 pages of everything I recommend for their personalized plan for their recovery versus programs where I actually look over you every day. So I call those rapid recovery because people get better so quickly. And I have a four-week private program. So if you're not a group person or a social media person, you can call me and text me every day for four weeks and we work on your program that way. Um, I have a lot of older folks who prefer that because the idea of being in an online group is just so overwhelming and that's going to cause them stress. Um, my, My rapid recovery group is a group format. And so um, that one is every two months that I usually put those on. It's a six week program where I work with people every day as a group. Uh, And it's super cool. I love that program so much because I was just talking to someone today who is a graduate who's actually seeing me for a totally different issue. Um, But she was saying how like 
being in that group, not only did it make her symptoms go away of her autoimmune disease, where she is now doing well, she got, she had Hashimoto's and was able to come down off of her Synthroid and feel so healthy, but she got to watch every single other person in the group get healthy too. And she's like, knowing that it's like, you feel, you don't, no one can say that it's not real because it's not just that you did it, but you watched it happen. And it's like the most positive place in the world where everybody heals. So yeah. So all those, if you go to goodbyelupus.com, you can see different ways to work with me. Um, but I do do a lot to help the public for free as well. Cause my main goal is people don't need me. Um, and so, uh, we were talking about this before we went live that every Wednesday as a public service, I do uh, live Q and A's that are live streamed on my YouTube, my Facebook, my Instagram to just take questions from the public. And, uh, and I've been doing them every week now for months and they're super well attended and people are just asking me to keep going. So I've been doing that as well. So I, I do a lot to try to just help as much as I can for free as well, but I know there's people who are going to need me. Right. And I put the links to that in every show you've done with me. So now that people, we, we, they can easily find it. Uh, Claudia says, do you have a date when your recipe book is coming out? No, I don't have a date, but we're the closest we've ever been. We've done the photo shoots for it. Um, we, uh, we have right now it's, uh, with the designer. So she is, uh, currently putting together, I have the recipes, we have the pictures. So it's going, it's with the designer now. And then after her, it goes to the editor. So we're super close. So my hope is in the next couple of months, I'm sure Chef AJ knows, like the hardest part is the launch part. There's always things that go wrong and get set back. Um, so at least, yeah, we are the closest we've ever been. Um, I'll say this year, but my goal is in the next couple of months. And, and that is, uh, it's really cool. Uh, this book is going to be um, all recipes that we use in rapid recovery. Uh, they're my recipes and recipes that were uh, contributed by people who healed in my program. So these are tried and true recipes that have actually healed people of these diseases. Um, I didn't work with a chef, separate chef or anything to make these up, but these are all um, submitted by people who've actually used them to heal their bodies on my program. So it's been a, a work of the heart, but boy, is it hard to put together a book and have a full practice and a wellness business and raise a family and yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. Even without a family to raise, putting a book, people don't realize how much goes into a book. It's so hard. Oh my god, it's really hard. That's and I, these people that have multiple books, like it's I, I'm, unbelievable. So, can you tell us a little bit about the book? Do you know the title or? Yeah, it's a uh, goodbye lupus, hello delicious. I love it. That's a great title. Okay, well, hopefully, you know, you'll still be coming on once a month, so we can we can roll. Yeah, it yeah, it's coming soon. Like I said, this is the close we've gotten it because the designer actually has it now. Um, and then so now it's the editing phase for all my typos and um, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's it's super close now, and I'm very excited. I have personally tested the recipes, um, and uh, and they're good. They're good. So you know, it's funny because I'm not a chef, uh, and. And it is a very difficult thing to be. That's why we need people like you. Because <laughs> I know what ingredients we need to get healthy. Putting them together into some way that makes your mouth excited, that's not my realm. But, you know, I have free smoothie recipes that I, you know, we have smoothieshred.com. We have fruit smoothie recipes and they're delicious. So I tell people, you don't have to be a chef. Just make the smoothie and you're nourished and you're good. But then there's those folks who are like, I want to use a fork. And so I have, okay, here's my favorite dressing. And then we're pretty much done. Now I'm out, you know, so... <laughs> 
<laughs> so uh, I've always said, as long as you have a smoothie you like and a dressing you like, you can totally recover. But yeah, it's been one of those things where people really want to have something where they can, you know, what if it's a holiday and what if it's a birthday and I want it to be pretty. So that's really where the impetus behind this came from is people really wanted to see exciting ways to use the same nutrition that you would use for, uh, for reversing disease. So that's where it came from and, and that's how we're building it. But I wanted it to be uh, you, the way I, I operate where integrity is just the highest calling. So I didn't want it to be that I said, you know, here, here's a chef, go make a bunch of recipes that use this ingredients. And we don't even, we can't even say that they worked. Right. So I wanted it to be that these are actual recipes that people used and they healed. And so that's how we came about with this idea of having people from my rapid recovery program submit them. So that also took time because they'd submit it, but wait, you didn't give me an amount of this. And then what about this? And, you know, so. Well, maybe <laughs> so you also, oh, sorry. I was going to say, maybe you or one of your sons could make one of the recipes on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, some of the recipes in there are from my son, Alex, because he wants to be a vegan chef. Actually, that's his goal in life is to be, is to be a vegan chef. And, uh, and he loves desserts which you were a pastry chef, right? Yeah, He loves desserts. And so he's been inventing, you know, like raw vegan chocolate and stuff like that. Raw vegan chocolate pudding. Usually it's chocolate. So his, some of his recipes are in the book because I've given them to my clients and they love them and it keeps them on plan <laughs> because if they can have some chocolate, then they feel like they can recover. So yeah, when they are on break. So, so far our Mondays didn't work. They were on spring break last week. So when summer hits, then or, or we could or in. we could pre-record a segment you know what i'm saying of just them doing oh. it and, and, and put it in do you know what i mean like yeah, when you know available. why i didn't think of that yeah i guess we could i always like live content well, that's true people. okay but but you know, you know or there's we could an just energy to it, it. like yeah. we're together who knows what's gonna happen i know what you mean but, i know what but you mean. We, well, we could do that sure Either way. So yeah. people are asking about particular diseases. And if you've treated, I'm going to read all three of them. If you treated patients with them and if your protocol has helped. Okay. There's three here. One is eczema. One is poly, polymyositis. And mm -hmm. one is temporal. Oh, there's this other one. Temporal arteritis. I think the hardest thing about going to medical school is pronouncing the words. You have to learn Latin. Oh my God. I remember yeah. when I was in medical school, I said, if only I'd taken Latin, because uh, I was told that it was, you know, a language no one speaks anymore, unless you're a doctor. Uh, absolutely. Um, so the uh, eczema, 100%, yes. Um, polymyositis, yes, absolutely. Um, I don't think anyone has ever worked with me for temporal arteritis. So anytime something ends in itis, itis is the Latin word for inflammation. That's all it is. So dermatitis, myositis, right? Dermatitis is inflammation of the skin. Myositis is inflammation of the muscle. Arteritis is inflammation of artery, right? Uh, that one is a very dangerous one because this is an artery going up into the brain. So if you have inflammation there, it can be deadly. So um, I have not seen anyone uh, specifically for that issue. I think usually they end up in medical emergencies on high dose of steroids to try to save them. So um, my intuition would be that it, since it helps with all types of inflammation, that it would be helpful. I've helped people with other inflammation of blood vessels for sure. Um, whether it's causing Raynaud's, Raynaud's, sorry, or um, trying to think of vasculitis, vascular inflammation, 
definitely has helped with that. But I have not had a client that I can think of right now specifically for that one. And I never like to say yes, if I can't give you a case that supports it. So I would say it's definitely a good idea for an itis to be on the protocol to optimize your ability to recover. Um, I would also suggest though that you're under medical care because it can be particularly dangerous. Yeah. What about lipomas? Uh, somebody is saying that they are uh, getting them and would this help with them? I, might, I was just at the vet today and my dog has a lipoma. Oh, lipoma. I thought you said coma. No, lipoma. somebody is live <laughs> who's getting comas. Lipoma. <laughs> yeah, that was confusing. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know. I haven't. Yeah, that's another one where I haven't had somebody come to me and say, let's work on lipomas. So if you're doing it, let me know. Uh, dogs love the smoothies. They will lick out any I container. I wish I could get my, my, I'm so embarrassed to have an overweight dog. She's just slightly in my vet admonished. It's not my fault. It's my husband's dog. He feeds her sweet potatoes all the time. But it's, you know, he goes, she goes, well, give him, give her blueberries, give her vegetables. She, what do you do for a dog that doesn't like vegetables? It's hard enough for a person. I'm not a veterinarian, so I'm not going to weigh in here on that one. <laughs> You're not, I thought you knew everything. Anyway, people no, are coming. No, 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 absolutely not. There's so many things that I don't know. Like ask me, if you just drop me off anywhere in my neighborhood, I won't be able to find my house. Um, no sense of direction. No, I just know what I know. <laughs> That is like oral lichen planus. Uh, yes, lichen planus. We've definitely had good results with that. Nice. You have to know so many. Uh, Darby says uh, she loves your almond recipe, uh, almond almond recipes, maybe a salad dressing with almond, dressing, almond salad yeah. dressing. Absolutely the best. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's a very addictive one. And for people who are not on nuts, you can make it with avocado too, but yeah. Yep. Um, Bethany wants to know if you've ever treated POTS. And actually, uh, I don't know if you know, Dr. Micah, you and Dr. Melissa Multana, plant-based doctors, that's what their talk was about on my show on Saturday, POTS. Oh, very cool. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I think even on YouTube, there's some testimonials there. We've had people who have dramatically and rapidly reversed POTS. Yeah. Penny says, Dr. G, your Caesar salad dressing has been a game changer for me. I'm eating large salads now and enjoying them. See, that's what I said. If you have one dressing you like, you can eat tons of vegetables, right? But <laughs> absolutely. Yes, you are absolutely allowed to ask questions. So thank you know, we try to keep them on topic, obviously. But yeah, nice. Has you, I don't know if you've ever covered this on my show. What do you eat in a day? People love to know what the doctors eat. Uh, yeah, so I eat a high raw plant-based diet. Um, so most of the time, as you can see, I'm working on my smoothie. Usually while I'm working, I'm drinking green smoothies because I can just keep working, keep my energy going. And I don't like to take long breaks. I'm one of those people where now I'm in the groove. I'm in the groove. I don't want to take an hour break and have lunch and put my feet up and then come back and get in there. So I actually prefer to just keep going, keep working, drink my smoothies. And I go through the day like that. Um, and then if I do get a break and want to sit and eat, uh, I might just grab an avocado or I might, um, if I have Ezekiel bread, I might throw the avocado on Ezekiel bread and throw some nutritional yeast or something on there. Um, but for the most part, I'm really jamming on my smoothies during the day. And then at dinner time, we always have a really big salad for dinner. I mean, really, really big salad for everyone. So I have two sons and my husband and my mom finally lives with us now. We, we begged her and, and we got her. Uh, so we have five of us. So we eat salad as our main course. And then we usually have something cooked as our side. So most of the time, so now my mom's taking over the dinner, which 
thanks mom. Uh, so she's, she's not a chef either. So for her, the Instapot is her savior. So she just puts all the ingredients in an Instapot, you know, vegetable broth, um, some potato, quinoa, tofu, beans, whatever vegetables are on hand, throws them in there and hits the soup button. So after people are done with their salad, if you want some soup, you can have that. And that's usually in our house going from like two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so we're very simple eaters for the most part during the week. Maybe some days instead of soup, there might be some mashed potatoes or might be some um, asparagus or you know, green beans or whatever happened to be um, going on. Last night I made a big soup and it was broccoli and tofu soup. I love, I love soups. I'm, I'm a big fan of soups. So is my family. So um, yeah, so we'll eat any kinds of cooked vegetables too. So that's usually what we do during the week. Um, I do believe that when you are healthy and not just believe, I don't like to, to be a faith-based system. Um, I, my results have shown that if you are very healthy, you can tolerate a little bit of inflammation here and there, you know, it's not going to hurt you, uh, long-term. So I do, uh, often have what I call one recreational meal, uh, in the week recreational, meaning I know it's not good for me, but my body can tolerate it. So I might uh, go out to eat where I know there's some oil in there, or it might have some, you know, impossible burger or something. I don't do it much because I don't feel right. We, we went out the other day and, and I felt full so quickly. And I said, it's the oil. I can't tolerate it. As soon as I have a few bites of oil, I'm so full. Whereas I could normally eat a plate this big of vegetables without it. I get really full. So it's like, it's fun for your taste buds. And then I'm right back to eating my regular food. So, you know, that's, that's usually how we do it. And my kids eat the same way where, you know, there might be a recreational item, you know, like pizza without cheese or something, but during the week, we really stick to our, our health. And, and I recommend if you are healthy, you can do that. And that's how you know you're healthy, right? When people say, I thought I was healthy, but if I eat one bite of something with oil, my joints flare up, you're not healthy yet. You are healthier, but you're not healthy. So when you're trying to heal, be very, very committed to the diet. When you've been healthy a long time, you can usually tolerate inflammation here and there. So that, that's how I eat for the most part. Right. I, I could probably tolerate a cheat meal uh, phys physiologically, but mentally, I just it just messes with me because then I just yeah. want it all the time if it's something hyper palatable, you know? Well, it depends because I've had folks tell me that, that especially if they've had food addiction and obesity, they can't have a bite of a vegan donut because then they're only going to be thinking about vegan donuts from then on. I've never really had that kind of an issue. My addiction was cheese and stuff like that, um, which now sounds disgusting to me. There's no chance of ever getting dairy into me again on purpose. You know, sometimes there's an accident where someone will be like, oh, there was some parm in the dressing. You taste it and you're like, no, but um, that's not the stuff that appeals to me. Um, so I think the thing I was most addicted to, I will never have that again. Um, and I don't want anything to do with it, but you do definitely need to be careful that if you're a sugar addict and you get clean of sugar, you don't want to go back to your drug of choice because it could be a slippery slope. So uh, that's a great point, uh, AJ. And I, I think that's important. I'm, I'm one of those formerly obese people, but thank you. Anne says, I find Dr. Brooke Golner one of the most helpful, not knowledgeable and positive doctors. I really hope she rises as one of the prominent doctors of our time. What do you mean hope? She already is. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Very nice. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to let you go because I know you're a very busy doctor, but th there's a couple more diseases people want to know if you treated and helped. You want to rapid fire them? Yeah, bronchiectasis and Raynaud's syndrome are the two more I see in the chat. Definitely different kinds of bronchial disorders. I mean, bronchiectasis is really a result. It's like a symptom of underlying pathology of the lungs. 
And I've definitely seen that our results in lung disease have been mind blowing, even to me, uh, in terms of, you know, I'm always, people are always coming to me with like, how about this? And I'm like, I haven't done that yet, but let's see. And we've had a lot of people now with uh, lung disorders, primarily caused by autoimmune disease, who have reversed them, gotten their PFTs back, asthma, um, where they've been able to come off their medicines. And then most recently, someone who was on the lung transplant list, whose lung function came up so much that a week five, they kicked him off the transplant list. Um, and it was a guy in his seventies. So for in general, for lungs, fabulous. Raynaud's, absolutely. I mean, this is uh, autoimmune territory and uh, it's usually caused by inflammation. The results will depend also on damage. So some people's chest inflammation causing it, that goes away quickly. For others, there's been some damage to the blood vessels from clotting where the blood vessels just aren't as branched as they were, in which case you might still have some uh, issues, but you'll at least optimize the blood flow that you have and, and the elasticity and health of the blood vessels. So yes, absolutely. Here's somebody with gastro gastroparesis. They say they can't tolerate fiber. Do you ever do juicing? Um, so I have two answers to that. I, I will allow people to do juicing. There's no harm to it, but it's not hypernourishment. But I've had phenomenal success in rapidly reversing gastroparesis with my raw diet. So I had, I've had a bunch of people do this, especially my four week private program. Cause they're like, I can't do the group and eat all that food. I'll, I'll get, you know, zeros on my food every day. Um, there was a lady I saw, she was, I wonder if she's been watching. She loves, she loves health stuff. And, and she's been plant-based teacher forever. But years ago, she was diagnosed with gastroparesis. And by the time I met her, she was, her weight was in the eighties. All right. She was severely emaciated. So sometimes people have gastroparesis, which means slow stomach emptying, but they still have a normal weight. So obviously they're still getting nutrition in. It's just frustrating because it feels like they have a small stomach, like they had a surgery to make us all small stomach or something, but she was emaciated and could only eat a few ounces at a time. And so she was using the highest caloric density foods she could think of that were plant-based because she was afraid that if she ate like salad, there'd be no calories and she would just boop out of its existence. Right. Um, and so, but yet she just had faith. She heard me talking. She said, I'm just going to try it. What's one month of, you know, doing this. And in the first week, the entire day, she was maybe able to get in seven or eight ounces of spinach or kale. Can think about all the only thing you're eating a whole day. And, and maybe a little bit of flax oil and some water. Uh, by the end of four weeks, she was eating 24 ounces a day of kale and spinach, a pound and a half with the full dose of omega-3s. All of the issues went away. She was able to gain her weight back. And I've done, she was the most severe case, but I've had multiple cases now of people with gastroparesis and their doctor says, don't eat fiber because that's too hard. And what do you do? You permanently disable your gut. Fiber's how your gut gets exercised. So if you stop fiber, then you are now, it's like if, if, if AJ said to me, man, it's really hard for me to walk because my legs are so weak. And I'll say, well, just don't walk anymore. Well, now you'll never walk again because the, the muscles in your legs will completely disappear, right? Uh, so you do need the fiber, but you have to, uh, you have, to have the right foods to, to recover whatever is causing this issue as well. So it does work. And I don't like when people give up fiber because fiber is necessary for the immune system. It's necessary for gut health. Uh, and any doctor who tells you to avoid it, they are making you sicker for the sake of you not complaining right now. That's great. Well, thank you. You are so fun to talk to. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. And you are too. And I always appreciate you having my on so we can spread more information about good stuff. So 
Um, hopefully today that helps. I know there's people out there. You hadn't heard of this new yeast. You don't have to worry about it, AJ. You're healthy. Um, I, I, I mean, that, I never even heard about the, the, the I mean, I'm, I'm going to watch that ant documentary now. I don't want to look up people. zombie ant fungus, that, but, but I don't want anyone to think that's what this is. It's not that. <laughs> <laughs> well, just avoid it. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Goldner. You're welcome. It's good to see you. I'll see you next time. Thanks everybody Thanks. for coming. See you next month. And don't forget about her live Q&A every Wednesday at 1230 Pacific time. She multi-streams on her Instagram channel, her Facebook, and her YouTube. And all the information is below in the show notes. And I do hope you'll come back tomorrow for Eileen Kapsoftis. She's our plant-based physical therapist talking about aging with a strong, healthy back. Take care, everyone. Bye.